0: From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, new IOLs presented at the
1: APA CRS. This lens is very interesting because uh, it uses a spherical aberration to increase depth of focus. First this.
0: What's your idea of the perfect meeting? Mine would be a meeting in which the topics I want are covered by the people who are innovators in their fields, who talk about things that are immediately relevant to my practice, and who are both approachable and available between sessions. Ideally, I would like only one session to be running at a time so that I don't miss anything, and for each session to consist only of really high-quality speakers. I guess if I were to go on to fantasize, the meeting would be in a beautiful location with plenty for my family to do while I'm filling my brain. Now, if you add a collegial atmosphere that promotes conversation with other ophthalmologists and an informal setting, then you would have a pretty good description of side-by-side, ASCRS's new winter meeting. Side-by-side takes the place of Winter Update, and its motto is at the intersection of ideas and implementation. Join me at Side by Side at Turnberry Isle in Aventura, Florida. Go to sidexside.ascrs.org for more information, to book your housing, and to register. I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the annual meeting of the Asia-Pacific Association of Cataract and Refractive Surgery in Jaipur, India. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today, we will hear from Roberto Bellucci, discussing whether an extended depth-of-focus monofocal IOL can replace multifocal IOLs, and Claudio Trindade on a pinhole IOL for the management of highly irregular astigmatism. I'm here with Roberto Bellucci. Roberto, I'm so happy that you're here. You're talking about a very, very interesting topic. Let, Let me sort of set things up. One of the concerns with multifocal lenses is, of course, there are... Aberrations and other visual uh, problems that are induced by these by these lenses. In one way, that uh, one one strategy that a lot of ophthalmologists use is to do monovision. But of course, the, the, the problem with monovision is is that often the uh, fields of focus between the two eyes don't overlap. Now, you're presenting a a, a technology, a sort of third way that doesn't induce the problems that multifocal lenses do. And this is an extended uh, depth of focus lens. Can I get you, first of all, to talk about what the lens is and how it differs from a conventional spherical or or even a conventional aspheric
1: intraocular lens? This lens is very interesting because uh, it uses spherical aberration to increase depth of focus. The basic purpose of the lens is just to increase the power in the pericentral area, and this is what the lens does with a smooth transition using spherical aberration. Outside that area, that is uh, within the 3.5 central millimetre, the lens is a normal uh, aspheric lens. So the total spherical aberration resulting in the central four millimeters or even in the central six millimeters is negative because this lens shows hyperopia with eccentricity because the central part only is a little bit myopic to provide a near vision, to provide extended depth of focus.
0: Roberta, you know, one, one of the questions that uh, comes up uh, in a situation in which you are trading some degree of aberration for increased depth of focus is, what are you losing? Are you losing contrast sensitivity? Uh, are you losing other um, uh, visual quality measures?
1: The ray tracing profile of this lens shows exactly this. That is, we lose a little bit of contrast sensitivity as compared with monofocal intraocular lenses. However, depth of focus is increased, and it's up to two diopters, providing patients distant and intermediate and near vision up to 40 centimeters. That is quite sharp. So the, the results we get, we got in implanted patients, are very, very interesting and promising. And I think that this is a project that's shared with other companies in the future because it's the third way, as you said, to get rid of presbyopia in the pseudophakia without giving rise to the same problems, the problems we got with diffractive multifocal intraocular lenses. Now um, now, now that
0: we've uh, dispensed with the optical costs of the lens, let's talk about what the, what the benefits are. The, the, the idea, I assume, is, is that you would implant them in some sort of a monovision fashion where the uh, depth of focus of the two eyes overlaps. Um, is,
1: is, is, is that what you're doing? You're not putting them both. Well, go on, please. We did, we did the focus curves with this lens. And so we uh, were able to demonstrate that this lens provides uh, full and correct distant vision even with uh, when the patient is uh, minus uh, 0.5 myopic. For this reason, we... Um, Tend to increase the a constant of these lenses to get those patients a little bit myopic, and so far there is no need to differentiate the refraction of the two eyes because the uh, amplitude of accommodation is uh, enough to provide them uh, near vision as well. So so far we are not overlapping, really. Yes, but oh, it's marvelous. That, that, that's great. That's great, and th- this, is, this is a very interesting lens specifically for this period. And one thing I would mention is that it's difficult to refract those patients because you cannot rely on autorefractors because they will provide you refraction at the, uh, the diameter labeled in the machine. But when you do refraction in those patients, you must act as if they were accommodating. So you must fog them to find out the true refraction you obtain with this lens.
0: Now, uh, you have um, put these lenses in a, in a num- number of eyes. What has your experience been both as a, a, a clinician and in terms of judging patient satisfaction with the lens?
1: From a clinician point of view, this lens is very easy to implant. After regular fecal, um you don't need a femto laser to do with it a good job with this lens and patients are very very satisfied with their vision of course during uh, of the characters of this lens of the features of the optics uh, they observe a slight halo in, in um, especially in the dark and a part of them, I should say, uh, less than 20% of them in the immediate post-operative period talk about a small halo. However, this is not disturbing. I had no complaints and they were pretty satisfied and surprised with the, their ability to see distant and near objects with no correction at all. Roberto, this is very, very
0: interesting I, I, from uh, a, a, an academic from an optical standpoint this this appeals to me very very much Uh, I'd be excited to try it lens like this I'm I'm very grateful uh, that you brought this this to us and I'm especially grateful that you were so generous with your time with us today thank you and thank you I'm here with Claudio Trindade Claudio I'm so happy that you're here you're talking about a a very interesting device to correct for if I'm right both uh, presbyopia and for Uh, corneas that are not regular. Can I get you to talk about it a little bit?
2: Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, We're presenting our initial results with a new type of uh, intraocular implant. It's a a new concept of intraocular implant, which is based on a very ancient principle, which is the pinhole principle. And uh, it's pretty much a black uh, implant with a small central opening, and it's it's supposed to be implanted in the ciliary sulcus of a, a pseudophagic patient, similar to a piggyback IOL. And, uh, and by having this uh, pinhole implant inside the eye, you were able to both extend depth of focus and improve vision in cases of uh, pseudophagic presbyopia, and also improve vision in cases of irregular stigmatism, such as after radio keratotomy, after penetrating keratoplasty, in other cases of uh, corneal irregularities, and uh, and since it's it's based on a very solid principle, it's it, it is able to, to reduce the size of the circle of confusion on the retina, and and improve vision in, the, in those cases.
0: Uh, Claudio, uh, I, I I assume that there is well. First of all, obviously there's a little tiny pinhole in the in the center that is loosened, and around that is an area um, of occlusion and then beyond that it is, it is once more clear
2: no no it's actually a, uh well it, it's pretty much it has a central optic which is six millimeter uh-huh. so it's pretty it, it pretty much covers the entire optic of the primary iol it, and it has a, a three haptic design to ensure good centration and uh, so, yeah, it's it, it has a IOL platform similar to a piggyback IOL platform. Huh? And
0: uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that centration of the device must be critical.
2: It is. It is critical in a, and you, you, you want the pseudo pupil to be inside the pupillary area. So this is why uh, it has three haptical elements to ensure good centration and and stabilization in the sulcus, that's why it has this design.
0: And in practical terms, what are the, the, the optical results that, that you're getting with these patients?
2: Well, the, these patients that have irregular corneas, uh, they usually have really uh, un, suboptimal uh, spectacle corrected vision, so it's hard to get a good refraction from those patients. And uh, they have really uh, dysphotopic symptoms, usually at night. And and by Im- by reducing the the impact of the corneal aberrations on the on the optical system, these patients have really great improvement in uncorrected vision, and and, and are able to function much better.
0: Now, what what is the the trade-off here? I mean, obviously. Um, I, I, I would guess that in in mesopic and in and in scotopic conditions, that that the, that the vision must must really drop off. What 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 are what are some of the visual prices that the patient has to pay for this?
2: Well, usually those patients are really unhappy with their optical quality, and they they might lose some 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 retinal luminance after the implantation. But the, 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 the benefits of improving the, the image quality, I think, outweighs the, the, the reduction of luminance. And none of these patients complain about, about uh, dimmed vision or any problems at night, even at night. And uh, uh, I believe that the most important trade-off would be uh, possibly... The, well, it's kind of hard to, 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 to think of a, a complaint that we've heard of those patients. Right, because these are patients who, who, are, who are coming really in with complaints to start out yeah.
0: with. Me. Yeah. So, um, uh, how, how difficult is the uh, lens to implant from a, from a technical standpoint?
2: Well, the, the lens is made of a foldable hydrophobic uh, acrylic, and, uh, and it goes in through a single 2.2 millimeter incision. Uh, we usually use a, a disposable cartridge to to do that, and uh, so it's pretty much the same technique as a, a simple IOL implantation. And I think this is what it's most appealing to most surgeons because it's a a very simple uh, technique, and it and surgeons feel they're in their comfort zone. They don't they're not doing anything different from what they're used to. Do you, do you, is is the vision comparable to, to literally
0: holding a, a a pinhole up?
2: Well, yes, it is. It's uh, it's very easy to simulate the results uh, preoperatively just with a pinhole occluder, and uh, so this is why patients are get really really motivated preoperatively because it's pretty much uh, similar to, to the results we have. This is really, really neat stuff, Claudio. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that, that you that you brought
0: it to us, and I'm grateful that you're so generous with your time with us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Roberto Bellucci is director of the ophthalmic unit at the Hospital of Verona in Verona, Italy. Claudio Trindade comes to us from the Consado Trindade Eye Institute in Belo Horizonte, Brazil. Ask questions of Dr. Bellucci, Dr. Trindade or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.